Well, good morning everybody and good to be online with you today. Hope you are doing well and had a good week. And today, thanks for joining us as we carry on with our Lockdown Life series. Now, about five or six years ago, I became a governor in one of the local primary schools. In fact, it's the local primary school that I used to go to. So here's a little throwback for you, all the way back to 1999. And one of the challenges though, in the last few years, is when the budget comes in for the school, with the cuts and things, it gets tighter and tighter and harder and harder every single year. And there's this, always this threat of redundancies. And every year I'm driving away from these governor's meetings and I'm praying, Lord, would you help us? Will you provide for us? Will you bring in some funding or something from somewhere so that we don't have to go through redundancies? And amazingly, each year, when we get to you know, that point in the year, always something comes in at the last minute, some funding or something doesn't cost so much. And each year we manage to get through. And I'm always thanking God. And today I want to talk about that we're invited to pray these kind of prayers on behalf of our um, schools, on behalf of our city, on behalf of our nation. And God invites us to pray in this kind of way. And for each of us during this lockdown season, you know, a lot of us may not be the key workers. And we're really grateful for all the key workers, all that they're doing and their hard work and keeping things going and serving us. And we may not all be key workers, but actually all of us are called by God to play a key part in our uh, towns, in our communities, and in the kingdom of God. And each one of us are ambassadors of Christ and key players in the kingdom of God. And we are invited to pray for what's going on in our nation right now. And in 1 Timothy 2, it says this, Paul wrote, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. And so we see here that we're called by God, each one of us, to pray for our leaders, to pray for our local community, and even to pray for our nation and even beyond. And our prayers and our prayers in this way makes a real difference. And so today I want to look at how this works uh, through the life of Elijah and his lockdown experience. Now Elijah, he was a famous character from the Old Testament. And similar to us, in his lockdown experience, it didn't just affect him, but it was affecting the whole country uh, where he was. And we find his story in this particular story in 1 Kings chapter 17. Now Elijah lived around 850 BC, so what's that, like nearly 3,000 years ago or something, and it was a time when there'd been a series of really evil kings in the northern kingdom of Israel, and now there was a new king called Ahab, and he'd come to the throne, and Ahab and his father, they were quite famous in the region, because they'd had a lot of military success. And in fact, there's a lot of artefacts, ancient artefacts that have been found from neighbouring nations that mention King Ahab or his father, Omri. And this is one of them. You can find it in the British Museum. It's called the Kirk Monolith, and it's a Assyrian memorial stone. And in it, in one of the inscriptions, it says how King Ahab one time teamed up with the Assyrians for a battle and fought with them. 
and he brought a thousand soldiers, sorry, 10,000 soldiers and 2,000 chariots. And so Ahab was very powerful and very famous. But this is how the Bible describes King Ahab. It says this, Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. And King Ahab had married Queen Jezebel, who was a priestess of the false god Baal, or Baal, and together they presided over like a reign of terror. And they led the nation away from God and his ways and into idolatry. And so it's into this situation with a powerful, a tyrannical king that Elijah bursts onto the scene. And one day he appears before King Ahab and he tells him, As surely as the Lord lives, the God of Israel, the God who I worship and serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. And so Elijah begins to pray that there would be no rain in the whole land. Now I think we can all identify with Elijah here. I don't know about you, but I have definitely prayed for it not to rain on many occasions. And I can almost, I can almost guarantee it that almost everyone watching here has prayed for it once, at least once for it not to rain. I mean, especially here in Wales. Who of us has never prayed that prayer before? But for Elijah, I mean, this isn't just that he had a barbecue plan that weekend. Elijah was challenging the king and the queen because Ahab and Jezebel, they were leading the country into the worship of Baal, who was a false god and was known as the Lord of rain and dew. And so they were saying, you know, let's worship Baal and Baal will provide the rain for us and that will make our crops grow and that will make us prosper. And so by praying for it not to rain, Elijah was directly challenging Ahab and Jezebel. He was challenging their corrupt leadership. And so Elijah's actions make him a direct target for King Ahab and Ahab wants him dead. And so God says this to Elijah. He says, go to the east and hide by the Kerith brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you for I've commanded them to bring you food. And so now Elijah's lockdown begins and he has to go into hiding and he's camped alone by the brook, being fed by ravens. And this must, have been, this must have been really tough for Elijah. I mean, he's isolated, he's out there on his own, he's camping, and he's got this death threat hanging over him. And King Ahab, you know, he was a powerful ruler, and he was searching the whole country to try and track down Elijah. In fact, later on, Elijah met one of Ahab's servants, and the servant said that, Ahab had even been interrogating neighbouring kings to try and find him. And so the first thing that we see here was that life in lockdown was really tough for Elijah. And even though he was this great man of God and a hero of the faith and on a mission to restore the nation to God's ways, in the process it was really tough going. And he wasn't immune to what was happening around him. In fact, he was in the thick of it. And this reminds me of Jesus' life, that Jesus, God's only son, who came into the world to rescue us and rescue the world. But in the process, Jesus faced all the suffering of this world and experienced it firsthand. And so this for us, this can encourage us that when we go through the challenges of lockdown, whether we're facing them right now 
or whether in the months ahead as we adjust to the new normal and whatever things look like, you know, when we face challenge, it never means that God isn't with us. And it never means he's not beside us. But rather, God is with us. And in fact, he understands what we're going through. And Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And just as God used Elijah in the thick of his lockdown to bring his blessing and change to the nation, God, he can work great things for us too, even in this time and even when we find it hard. And this is what we see happens next with Elijah. Because after a little while, um, the brook where Elijah is staying, it begins to dry up because his prayer for no rain is being answered and drought is setting in. And so then God says to him, go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. And Zarephath was 90 miles away, so there's no five mile limit for Elijah. So he has to set off and make this dangerous journey across the country, hiding from Ahab all the while. And eventually it says, uh, when he got there, as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please give me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her and bring me a bite of bread too. But the widow turns around and says to him, look, I would, but I don't have any bread. I don't have anything. She says, in fact, I've just got a handful of flour and a handful of oil. And she says, right now, I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And you can hear in this widow's answer how desperate her situation is, that she literally has nothing left but one meal for her and her son. Then Elijah says to her, don't be afraid, but go home and do what you've said, but make me a little bread first. I mean, that's a big ask. It's a big ask. But then he says, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. And so this was a big ask, but it came with a promise. And amazingly, this widow, she did just that. She trusts what Elijah said. She trusts this promise from God and she made Elijah the bread first. And as she stepped out in obedience and trusted God, God kept his promise. And in verse 16 it says, there was always enough flour and oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. And what I love about this is that in this story, we're tracking what Elijah's doing and how he's bringing, you know, God's word to the whole nation. And it's a story about a nation. It's a story about Elijah standing off with a king. And yet, whilst it's about this all this huge stuff going on, it zooms right in to the life of one widow and her son, and it zooms right into them. And we see how God brings Elijah to her doorstep and brings a miracle into her home. And this reminds us and encourages us that God is personal and he knows us, he loves us, and his heart is for us. And he invites us to involve him in the daily things that are going on in our lives. The things that we might think are the little things. In Philippians 4 it says, Don't worry about anything, 
but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And one of my favourite recent stories is one that Flick shared and told me about. Uh, it happened about 18 months ago or so. And I know I've said it before, but it's such a good one. And it was a time when she was at home alone with the kids, two toddlers in the house. Um, and she was hungry and they were hungry and she went to make them some toast. She just wanted some toast and she'd run out of bread. And it was pouring with rain outside. It's in the winter and just the thought of getting the kids dressed and into the car and driving down to the shops, it was just too much. In fact, I don't even know if she had the car because maybe Tim was out of it. And so she found some uh, flour and stuff in the house. She tried to make bread, uh, but then that failed and she sent it to Tim. And she was just, you know, at her wit's end. And then suddenly there's a knock at the door and she opens the door and it's her friend Becky standing there. And Becky says, Flick, I know this is strange, but I was praying this morning and I just really felt God tell me to go to the shops and to bring you this. And she hands Flick a bag and inside is a loaf of fresh bread. And I just think that is just absolutely amazing. I love that story. How God, he knows us. You know, he knows what we need and he cares about us and he cares about the little things. And isn't that just amazing? And I love this story because it just reminds me that nothing is too small to bring to God in prayer. And so for us, as we continue to journey through this lockdown season, however long it lasts and whatever comes next, we can trust God. We can trust God for our lives, just like the widow did. And as she trusted God, and as she fed Elijah first and trusted God to do that, she experienced a miracle. In fact, she experienced two miracles, and you can read the other one in chapter 18. Um, but also, beyond that, she went on to play and played a part in the fate of the whole nation because she kept Elijah alive for the mission that God had for him. And so we see with Elijah that now it didn't rain for a whole three and a half years. And all this time he stayed with the widow and her son and they kept him alive by feeding him. And till eventually God says to him, now is the time to go and confront Ahab. And he said, go and present yourself to King Ahab and tell him that I will soon send rain. And so Elijah goes out and he finds the king. And I mean, Elijah is so courageous. He finds the king and he just calls him out and of course, Ahab, he couldn't deny what was going on because there hadn't been any rain. Um, but the nation, it still hadn't turned back to God. And so Elijah calls Ahab and he calls the prophets of Baal and he brings them together with the people of the nation to Mount Carmel for a contest. A contest between God and Baal to see which one is the real God. And you can read it for yourselves in this chapter, chapter 18. Um, but spoiler alert, okay, God wins. God wins the contest. And the people realise that God is real. But go and read it for yourself. It's amazing what Elijah does and I love it. And then after this contest, Elijah turns to Ahab and says, Go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm is coming. Now at this very moment, there was no actual sign of rain. There was no clouds in the sky. There was no weather app to check. 
There was no forecast. But Elijah, he goes up, back up to Mount Carmel, to the top, and begins to pray for rain. There's been no rain for three and a half years, and now he's praying for the rain to come. And after a while of praying, it says in verse 43, Then Elijah sent his servant out and said, Go and look out toward the sea. And the servant went and looked and then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. And seven times Elijah continued to pray and then told him to go and look. And finally it says, finally the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. And then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds and a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm. And so Elijah's prayer was answered and King Ahab and all the nation knew that God was real. And so here we have this famous story of Elijah and how it affected a whole nation and it affected a whole nation through prayer. And for us today, like I said at the start, we're invited to pray in the same way. And in the New Testament, in the book of James, he's writing to Christians and churches and encouraging them about prayer. And in it, he says in chapter five, that we can pray when we're facing trouble or difficulty, that we can pray for healing that we can pray for one another, that we can pray for forgiveness. And then he says this, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human just like us. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he began to pray again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. And so here we see that we can pray about the personal things and also we're invited to pray like Elijah did for the wider things, the issues and the challenges facing our community, facing our schools, facing our local area, facing our nation and even facing the world. And we too can pray like Elijah did because Elijah was a human just like us. And on YouTube, you can find this great video with Pete Gregg, who uh, founded 24-7 Prayer. And it's actually the fourth episode of a series that he does on prayer and teaching on prayer. And it's really good. And in this video, he shares like a whole bunch of stories of people who prayed in this way for things like this. And seen amazing answers to prayer that have affected towns, nations, cities, the world. It's amazing things, and I'd encourage you to watch it. And so for us in this lockdown season, can we take on the challenge to join in with the key role that we're all called to, to pray for God's blessing and power, to be at work in the wider issues that we face all together? So here are some thoughts of some things that we can be praying for. So we've heard recently in the news that the schools are going back soon. So can we each commit to pray for our local school? If you don't know which your local school is, can you find out which is the school nearest to you? And then let's pray that they are protected from the coronavirus. Let's pray that not one person in that school dies because of coronavirus. And let's pray for God's protection. And let's continue to pray 
for the same thing over our community, over one another as a church, and over all our key workers. Let's pray God's protection over one another. And then with the virus, let's pray for all the scientists who are looking into treatments and vaccines, and let's pray that they're inspired, that they find one quickly, and that it works, and that they can get it out to help us and others and other nations. Let's pray for our leaders that God gives them wisdom to know what to do in this time. How many times have you heard people say, we're in unprecedented times, right? No one knows what to do. So let's pray that God gives them wisdom to know what to do. I mean, I'm sure some people do, but anyways. So why not make a list, add some of your own things as well, stick it to the fridge, and then every day when you go to make a cup of tea or you know, you're making dinner, or if you're a student, you could stick it to the microwave, no, I'm just kidding. But every day when you go to make food, then you can, it can remind you to pray like Elijah did. And that's our privilege. That's our privilege as God's people, that we are able to represent others before God and to pray for his blessing on them. Just like it says in the verse I said at the beginning, read at the beginning in 1 Timothy 2, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people and ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. So why don't we just take a minute to pray now. Father God, I thank you that you are a God who hears our prayers and that you invite us to pray about the personal things that nothing is too small to bring before you. And you invite us to bring all, to pray about everything. You invite us to bring it all to you. And so right now we want to lift up our local schools to you we want to lift up our key workers and we pray for your protection upon them, Lord God. And Lord Jesus, we pray for our scientists and we pray that you would inspire them with ideas and their research, that they would find a vaccine and they would find treatments quickly so that lives can be saved. And we pray as well, Lord God, for our leaders, that you'd give them wisdom at this time. And I pray for everyone watching right now. I thank you that you love them. I pray that you would bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Well, it's great to chat with you again today and look forward to hearing from you and we'll see you again soon, I'm sure and I hope.